Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. I'm Katie Gossett, and when you welcome a baby into your life, one of the strange things that happens, one of the many strange things, is that people become obsessed with colour. Blue, and especially pink, take on this kind of loaded meaning. Why do girls want to wear pink? I don't know. Do they, or do we put pink on them? I have noticed that it has gone back to boys going, ooh, I don't want pink goggles. He quite likes pink. He gets to wear pink. Yeah, I think probably we did go down that pink side because we put up, like, wallpaper that had a bit of pink in it. Colour is not assigned when we are born. It's consumerism in society that's kind of telling us that. But you are assigned a gender, and that's what we're talking about today. And I warn you now, unlike other episodes, there may not be any easy answers here because gender is complicated. But what we are going to talk about is how we explore the topic with our children and help them question the images and the messages that are really all around them. Here is a different kind of play. These little girls are doing the family washing. In this imaginative play, they are reliving the experiences of the grown-ups at home. In the Wendy house this morning, there's a lot of work to be done. While one mother takes the baby for an airing, other housewives are setting the table and dressing the children. Here again, they're getting an insight into what the grown-up world is like. Right, so when it comes to choices, this educational film from the 1950s doesn't offer many to girls. It seems a life of domesticity is already nicely planned out for them. But fast forward to this panel discussion in the 1970s, and parents are already starting to think differently. What are your feelings about making little girls into little girls and little boys into little boys and, and this sex stereotyping as it's commonly known now. What we're doing to many children is, is closing the options. If you're a little girl you're supposed to be this sort of a person, pretty and helpless and nice and sweet and so on. And if you're a little boy you should be tough and adventurous and experimenting and so on. Whereas it seems to me that all children should have the options to do all these things. And parents today are just as concerned. I'm actually quite anti the fact that there's clearly a demarcation line between what girls should be playing with and what boys should be playing with. It's very segregated. When you go into a toy shop, there are all the dolls together and all the kind of Nerf guns and the matchbox cars and all that kind of stuff. A lot of the language on, you know, the clothes, the girls' clothes, you know, princess, pretty, all those kind of words, and then the boys, it's strong and tough, and it's creating a separation. So have society and culture redefined how boys and girls should behave? Culture absolutely influences development. So there's truth in comments about gender being a social construct, but only to a certain extent. This is Catherine Gallagher, our clinical psychologist, who says culture is one thing, 
but you can't overlook biology and our neurological differences that stem from trying to keep the species going. Men, hunter-gatherers, more task-oriented, physically stronger to protect their families, less talk, more doing. Women, on the other hand, had the babies, were more focused on child-rearing, as a result was more socially and emotionally oriented and able to keep multiple needs in mind at one time, in other words, multitasking. This stuff served a purpose. So you've got biology, you've got culture, but how do we reconcile the two? Gender is both a biological and a social construct. Difficulties tend to arise when we take either stance and we hold it too firmly. If we deny biology, or if we deny the influence of culture, we are ignoring the fact that there is a complex interplay of the two. In other words, it is not nature versus nurture, it's an end. Maybe then it's not so much gender differences that are the problem, but more the way people choose to interpret them. Acknowledging gender differences can be really validating. Boys and girls often learn differently and approach life with various skills and challenges on board. Where we get into trouble is that judgments seep in about these differences and they become signs of strength and weakness. So how will our kids navigate this? Well, it helps if you've got someone who can show you how it's done. Having healthy gender-based role models can be really helpful for identity development. Of course, these aren't the only role models a child needs when they're growing, but having access to people of the same gender as you who can help signpost what it means to be this particular gender um, at this particular time in your life can be really reassuring for a child. But as long as that role model's not too black and white... Anything that is approached too rigidly and loses sight of the child in front of you has the potential to cause problems. Acknowledging gender differences and having healthy male or female role models is very different from prescribing what and how you should be if you happen to be a boy or a girl. We've talked a lot on this show about looking at who your children are and helping them find what works for them. So some of the best ways we can do that are by giving our children different choices. I guess... We call ourselves a gender-neutral household and what I mean by that is that we we don't distinguish between girls and boys' traditional toys or, or um, clothing. They can be what they want, they can play with what they want. My eldest daughter was always into imaginary games and she never really played with dolls, so I never really forced that on her. So when her brother was born, she was just over two, so I did buy her a baby. She didn't really get that out. My youngest daughter plays with those sorts of things. Um, my son is really, really into sports, but he's also a very nurturing boy too, so if his sister was playing babies, he probably would join in, and that's fine with me too. I mean, I think that parents, um, as we've talked in other programmes, you know, we want them to pay attention to the child in front of them and expose them to experiences that help that person grow. So expose them to sports, what they pick, kind of up to them. Expose them to um, clothes choices. Let's not be so rigid that in fact I'm never going to choose to dress my child in pink because they're a girl because that's stereotyping them. But if they like pink, go for gold. That's okay. I must admit I was a bit rigid myself. When my first daughter was born, pink was not exactly outlawed but certainly limited. But ultimately children like what they like regardless of their upbringing. My youngest absolutely loves makeup and dancing, and, and our oldest is the polar opposite. She does not give a toss what she looks like for anyone else, which I think is awesome. We've raised them exactly the same way. It's just chalk and cheese, you know, the kids are what they are. 
The messages they get, though, can be really subtle. And the more they look at social media and have access to the online world, the more they're seeing things they may not be prepared for. Gender gets mixed up with sexuality. So alongside traversing what it means to be a boy or a girl, children and young people are often also feeling like they need to work out who they're attracted to. And this can create emotional stress. Especially given that with social media and, and advertising, kids are sexualized a lot earlier. So those sorts of messages are getting into the, the mainstream before they're developmentally ready for them. These can be times when a quick conversation or comment can help them process what they're seeing. Of course, it's useful if you've actually been paying attention to what they're watching. You know, if they're spending hours and hours in front of YouTube, for example, and you have no influence and no awareness of what they're watching, that's a problem. Whereas, in fact, if you um, have an awareness of the kinds of things they're watching, sit down with them and watch it with them. Notice stuff out loud with them. Um, and again, it's not taking the moral high ground or, or, or chipping away at the world that they live in and they're enjoying, but it's kind of just wondering out loud, you know, God, isn't that interesting how girls are always kind of shown like that? I wonder what that means. And kids might go, I don't know, I don't know, a minute, and off they go. But by you noticing it with them, then we're encouraging our kids to start thinking in that way. 20 and three quarter minutes to eight now. Hey, if you're a secretary, girls, who's strong on shorthand and making with the typewriter and the telephone, well, hear this. Radio I has a vacancy for a receptionist. And we're not paying the earth, only the moon and the stars, but we'll guarantee that your days won't be dull. Girls, oh, you'll have a lot of fun here. That was back in 1967, and it sounds like the assumption was that girls just wanted to have fun. But what about now? What kind of messages are girls getting about their abilities these days? Children generally start out on quite an even playing field, but as life goes on, the more that um, girls are hearing these kind of comments or seeing it in the marketing that they are meant to be pretty, they are meant to be princesses. There's a certain age, I can't remember what the research says, but it's around the kind of, you know, six, seven, eight-year-old range where children stop seeing themselves as equal. They stop having the same level of abilities and the boys kind of shoot ahead because they see themselves as stronger and the girls kind of drop off behind a little bit. I found that quite interesting and, yeah, there were links in that research around the words that were used to females versus the words and comments that are used towards boys. So maybe we need to change some of those words. Try and use the same words between both children. I don't change my language and go, oh, you're really pretty. I don't talk about that kind of stuff. I talk about the stuff that's inside her, you know, that she is a capable, confident, independent young girl. Whether she's going to be a builder or plumber or whatever, you know. I wanted to pick something where she'll grow, you know, get stimulation from and enjoy. It's really important for us as parents to support them in this journey, even if this means we have to challenge our own gender role stereotypes so that we can help accept them um, and who they choose to be and when they choose to be that. I was at the warehouse the other day and I saw um, scientist Barbie. She's got, a, she's got a white coat. Great, still got the big boobs? Yep. <laughs> That's what we mean. You know, and, and, and this is not about suddenly Barbie having to, to look androgynous and, and, you know, stop being attractive. You know, because I think that's that's where we get into, um, you know, the, those um, either-or scenarios. Because, in fact, you can be a highly attractive, really bright person who loves what they look like and fantastically loves pink. That's okay. 
because whatever combination of factors is going to suit you as a person, that's okay and that helps to form your identity. So as I said at the start, there really aren't any hard and fast rules here. This one really is about keeping the options and communication lines open for your child. I'm not saying panic about gender stereotypes. You know, they're not the devil incarnate. But it's notice them so that kids actually aren't assuming this is always the truth, that in fact they don't always have to have the mum who's at home with the kids. So it's whatever is coming into their world, if you can take that kind of observer role, it helps your child do that too. And that's the show. Are We There Yet is produced and presented by me, Katie Gossett, and Alex Harmer mixed in the music. Tim Watkins, our executive producer, and the historical audio comes from Nga Taonga Sound and Vision in Archives New Zealand. You can find more episodes of Are We There Yet? over at Apple Podcasts. It's also on our podcast page at rnz.co.nz. And if you like, or you need some parenting advice like most of us, you can also check out It Takes a Village, which features parenting interviews from 9 to noon. And coming up next time on Are We There Yet? It's the bane of parents' lives. How do we make our kids tidy? Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.